Sunday. Hope you had a great one, uh, whether you're here celebrating with us or elsewhere. We hope that you were able to um, really find the joy of salvation. Find the joy of salvation in our living King Jesus, all that he is, all that he's done for us, and uh, all that he is going to do, and ultimately in his resurrection from the dead for his uh, return. And so um, with that in mind, um, if I don't know you yet, my name's Roland. I'm the uh, lead pastor here. And uh, today, what we're doing is we are actually having finished our series, <laughs> which was called The Good News According to Luke. We actually went through the entire Gospel of Luke. Did everybody enjoy that? <laughs> yeah, okay, we went through the entire 24 chapters in Luke, and we uh, got an opportunity to read or hear uh, from the man himself, right, Jesus Christ, and allowed him to shape us, speak to us, and challenge us in ways that um, hopefully are impacting your life even to this moment. So um, today what we're doing is we're picking up in an appropriate place, um, which is actually um, going to be starting a new discussion, and it's going to be, I'm trying to speak to you today in something, in a way that would help you in your daily interactions with God, um, because we are obviously here to worship God. Uh, the point of it is not just to grow in the knowledge of God, but to be able to learn how to interact with God on a daily basis. Everybody believe that? Okay, so it's like one thing to know or have information about somebody. It's another thing to actually have the tools in your hand to know how to interact with them in a way that's going to touch you, change you, and empower you to live in the way or the manner in which they tell you to. So we're going to um, actually start a, a discussion called Be Filled, okay? Be Filled. Be Filled. And what we're talking about is the person of the Holy Spirit. What we um, believe is that uh, God is, uh, we're, we're not a Jesus-only community, um, and what I mean by that is Jesus is obviously the center of our faith, but Jesus is the Son of the Father, right? We serve a triune God. There is God the Father, there is God the Son, Jesus who did his work for us on the cross, and there is also the promise of God the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit who God gives to us to actually give us the ability to relate with him on a daily basis until he makes his return. And so what we want to talk to you about um, today is really focus on cultivating our relationship, not just with the Father, not just singing about the Son, but cultivating our relationship with the Holy Spirit in light of the resurrection, the abundant life that Jesus has called us to and the work he has commissioned us to do. And I'm going to start by just uh, reading, again, what Jesus said at the end of Luke chapter 24. And it says, literally, that uh, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So that's how Jesus actually ended his gospel, right? The gospel of Luke. So everybody remember that from last week? So we hear that, but then we've got to pick that up and know what to do with it, right? So if this is the instruction that Jesus gave us, how do we interact with him in his resurrection to actually be clothed with power from on high and then do the things that he said to do. 
So we're going to focus on this statement today, that being filled with the Holy Spirit is a daily goal, not a one-time event. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is a daily goal and not a one-time event. A lot of times people treat it as such, but we're here to challenge that assumption, okay? By the Word of God, that being filled with the Holy Spirit is a daily goal and not a one-time event. And so today we're going to focus and begin the discussion by focusing on these three parts. We're going to talk about power, we're going to talk about purity, and we're going to talk about proclamation. Power, purity, and proclamation, all in light of what Jesus said to do after his resurrection from the dead. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today, and we thank you that you've given it to us so that we might not only know you, but love you and walk with you in the promises and the power that you've released to us. And God, we're asking you that by your word today that you would give us great faith, great faith for not only what you've done for us at the cross, but what you release to us by your resurrection from the dead and your ascension into heaven. God, we're asking you that we'd have a more intimate walk with you, each and every one of us, by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so... Let's talk about power first. Let's talk about power first. What we want to submit to you is that being filled with the Holy Spirit provides power to be a witness for the resurrected Jesus. Being filled with the Holy Spirit actually gives you power to be a witness for the resurrected Jesus. And I'm going to take my time today because I want us to get past the place of just being familiar with Scripture to actually being able to experience the reality of that which the scripture is talking about. How many people would enjoy that? Okay, so it's not just that we believe the right things, but when we have good doctrine, when we have sound and healthy doctrine according to the scripture, the whole goal of God is to bring us into a place of experience where we actually experience that which God is actually talking about. Because Jesus was resurrected from the dead, because he ascended on high, when he makes his return one day, the good news is that we are going to be with him forever. Those who've been waiting for him will actually be with him forever. Isn't that good news? That you actually will experience something that, is not, that he's talked about, that the prophets prophesied about, that we are waiting and building our lives around in great anticipation for, Right? that there will be the redemption of all things, including our bodies, right? And so that will be an experience based on the promise that he's making us in his word. And in the same way, in between his death, burial, resurrection, and then ultimately his ascension, we all know that Jesus isn't here with us in the flesh right now. He's called Emmanuel, God with us, but in the flesh, he's not here right now. Anybody have coffee with Jesus this morning? Okay, no, you didn't, okay? But you did have an opportunity to have a relating with God today in worship. You did have an opportunity to sing about the God of the Father. And how about this? You have an opportunity today to relate with the person of God, not just in the Father, whose spirit, not just the Son, who's resurrected and ascended on high, but the person of the Holy Spirit. That God, whenever he makes a man or a woman new in him, you are literally regenerated by the person of the Holy Spirit. 
that God himself, when you put your faith in Christ, when you believe the good news of all that he's done for you at the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection from the dead, he said in Luke 24, he's giving you a promise, the person of the Holy Spirit, to make you a new creation. And that's a supernatural event in your life. It is a supernatural event in your life that God makes something that was dead inside of you alive. Now, previously, you might have been the walking dead, right? But he made you by his person alive in Christ. Alive in Christ. And as the scripture talks about, he gave you a deposit, if you're a believer, guaranteeing what's to come in him. Guaranteeing the promises that he made in the scripture. But being filled with the Holy Spirit in between the time that you are born again and the time that Jesus makes his return, there's a whole lot of living for most of us to do, right? And in that living, he says, I'm going to give you an ability, a person that's going to help you to live in power so that you might do and live the way that I've said for you to live and do the things that I've called you to do. So we see this in Acts chapter 1. If you've never read the book of Acts, Acts is actually also written by the same author of the Gospel of Luke, Luke the physician. And he was the same historian who was more than likely writing for a benefactor named Theophilus. Just as Michelangelo was commissioned to right, paint the Sistine Chapel, like what we see is that there was a commission given to this man to really record the history of not only what Jesus said and did, but also the early history of the church, how it came to be what it is in the early church world. Right, And Acts records that for us. But this is Jesus, post-resurrection, giving us instruction about the power that we need to live in the way that he's called us to live. And it says this in verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, meaning his ascension, okay? So the person writing here is Luke. He's writing to Theophilus. He said the first book that he's referring to was that book we just finished, the Gospel of Luke, okay? And now he's continuing to write. And he says, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit, right? And I, can, can we all say that together, Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit? Okay, Holy Spirit. We just need to let the Holy Spirit his, and his name be on our lips, right? Because we're always used to talking about the Father. We're always talking about Jesus, the Son. But a lot of times the Holy Spirit is that like uncle that nobody knows what he does, <laughs> Right? So like, I know he's there. I know he's part of the family. I know he's probably important, but I just don't know how to relate with him. So we'll just be quiet about him, right? But the Bible wasn't. It says, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself, meaning Jesus, alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days. So the question is, what did Jesus do after his resurrection? He made appearances. <laughs> he said, guys, hey, yeah, I was dead, but not anymore. I'm alive, baby. The original Terminator. I told you I'll be back, <laughs> right? Giving many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Wait for the promise of the Father, which he said you heard from me. So who spoke about the Holy Spirit? 
It was right up there. Jesus. He said, what you've heard from me, you heard me speak about the Holy Spirit. So if Jesus is speaking about the Holy Spirit, is it a good thing? You better believe it. But wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water. The Greek word there, baptized, baptizo, means to immerse, right? That's why we, when people repent and turn to Jesus, we say that they need to be buried with Jesus in his death so that their faith in the pow- through their faith in the power of God, they might rise into new life in Christ, right? And so if you've given your life to Jesus and you say, I'm dead to my old way of life. I'm dead to my drunkenness. I'm dead to my sexual morality. I'm dead to my, you know, lying. I'm dead to dishonoring my parents. I'm dead to my factions, my divisions, all of these things, right? These are the things that we repent of. He says, what you need to do is get baptized. There's no Christian who needs to say, I'm serving Jesus, but I've not been water baptized. You hear that? So if that's you, make an appointment because it's the first of the month, Right? Bone thugs. It's the first of the month. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. All right. So it's sort of like <laughs> in the first of the month, you can go down, get immersed in water. But he said, John did that. It was a baptism of repentance. It wasn't just you getting sprinkled as a baby. You actually had to make a decision and say, I'm no longer living for myself. I'm living for Jesus who loved me, gave his life for me, died for me, and was raised again, right? When you do that, it's a baptism of repentance. John introduced that, right? But Jesus said, but there's another baptism. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the what? Holy Spirit, same word there, immersed in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will, for what purpose? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That is my charge to my church. What we see after that is Jesus ascended on high and he's ruling and reigning at the right hand of the Father until he makes his ultimate return. Okay? A good setup for power. Jesus said it, right? Now, I don't know about you, but I hate dead religion. I just hate it. (laughs) Anybody else? I hate just going through the motions. I hate just going through things and talking about things, but not actually seeing the reality of them. The good news is is that whenever Jesus is talking about, I'm going to give you power to be a witness, he's not talking about dead religion there. He's actually saying, experientially, you will be marked by power. And I want you to think about your own personal life right now, your own Christian walk. Would you say that right now, your walk is marked by power? Would you say that your life is marked by power? Power to overcome sin. Power to proclaim this good news. Power to stand in the face of persecution. 
power to actually know that even in the midst of op- opposing ideas, beliefs, or other, otherwise, you have power to stand confidently in Jesus. My question is, does power mark your life in God? Because according to Jesus, that's his promise. That when you come to him, power would mark your life. Power would be given to you whenever the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And power, I would like to submit to you, can come as we read the scripture. And again, I'm just going to make reference because there's so many scriptures about this in the, um, throughout the New Testament. Power can come at least in three forms. Power can come in the form of boldness. Boldness, right? That whenever I'm trying to stand for Jesus and there's an opposition against that stand, I need some boldness to make that stand. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody remember being on the playground as a kid and had Big Johnny, the bully? And it's sort of like every day, Big Johnny would come out and steal somebody's lunch money. We just came out of the Christmas season. How many people remember the Christmas, like Christmas story? You know what I'm talking about? What's his name, B? Ralphie. Yeah, Ralphie, right? <laughs> Ralphie and that redhead kid, right? And then eventually, like, he would always, like, you know, take the kid's money and everything, and then he had that little sidekick toad or whatever his name was. You know what I mean? And then finally, Ralphie had to have something rise up inside of him, right? How many of you have seen the Christmas story? Okay? How many of you have seen it about, like, 15 times? Okay, good. So here's the thing. Ralphie had to have something rise up inside of him, right, that he's like, I'm not going to let you take my money anymore. Devil, I'm not going to let you steal from me anymore. I'm not going to let you tear me apart, my confidence, my faith, you know what I mean, my desire to walk with God. I'm not going to have you take from me anymore. The Bible says the devil is a thief. He's a liar. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And what God gives you is not just his word, but power to stand against him. He says, no longer will you be able to steal from me, but I'm going to, like Ralphie, rise up and start wailing on you. And say, ultimately, that he who lives in me is greater than he who lives in the world. And I'm going to live like it. Because I know there's a power that God's given me. It gives me boldness to live. Number two, he gives me gifts of the Holy Spirit. Gifts of the Holy Spirit to testify to the resurrected Christ. That I'm not just preaching this word and word only, but it comes with power. Many of you have heard my testimony before that the reason that I had my eyes and ears and heart open to Christ in the first place is because gifts of the Holy Spirit were operating through a servant of his who came with that gospel message. And when he was, and this is my terminology, not biblical terminology, when he started to read my mail through words of knowledge, just like Jesus with the woman at the well, Just like Jesus with the woman at the well started to tell me all about the things that I was doing presently and at home. And I asked him, I said, wait a minute, did my mother call you? You don't know me. I don't know you. He said, but there is a God who does. And he's coming for you. He's showing you that he's alive and well and he's making it known to you that he knows all things. And now you need to turn to the resurrected Christ. How many people know that got my intention? And so whenever he started to preach the gospel to me in power through gifts of the Spirit, my heart was softened and open to hear what was in the Bible. 
And so now I get to take my stand on that everlasting word because there was first a rhema word that came to me. Number three, strength. Strength to minister. When he's talking about power, he's also talking about strength. Now, I know we all talk about grace and our weakness in God, and when we're weak, he is strong, right? But that's the point. When we are weak, he is strong. And I think that I had, a tr- I had trouble, and I talk to men all the time especially. And sometimes men don't want anything to do with the faith because they think it's weak and anemic. They think it's weak and anemic. And they're like, if I'm going to serve somebody, I'm going to serve a man, a, a God of strength. And let me tell you, you serve a God of strength. A God who's a warrior, a fighter, and makes you more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves you. When he's talking about, I'm going to give you power by the Holy Spirit, he's talking about strength to be a witness. Strength to be a witness. We'll get to some of the scripture that speaks about these things later, but it's my question for you too is, today is, when's the last time that you feel like you actually operated in the power of God? In the power of God. Not believed right things about God, but actually operated in the power of God to be a witness. Isn't that what he said that he has for us? Should we not desire it then? Yeah, I'm almost done. (laughs) That was his mic drop. (laughs) Okay. The purpose of being filled with the Holy Spirit is that we might be uh, might be power-filled witnesses of the resurrected Christ, both in word and in deed. In word and in deed, which leads to purity. Being filled with the Holy Spirit enables us to grow in life-giving fellowship with God and the rest of his body. Life-giving fellowship. Life-giving fellowship. You ever have the friends that you're around and like after you hang out with them, you're a little bit more down than you were <laughs> before you <laughs> hung out with them? It's like, listen, I love you, but like, I feel like there's an anchor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Bringing me down every time I talk to you. Yeah, anybody have friends like that? Well, in the spirit, here's the good news. That's not God. He's life-giving. He's a lifter of our heads, right? He's the one who actually gives daily encouragement. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5, please. When Paul was writing the apostle, he was talking about life in the spirit, right? He talked about that in Galatians. We're all familiar with the fruit of the spirit. Everybody likes talking about that, right? Because the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against which things there is no law. Amen. <laughs> okay? Fruit of the Holy Spirit. But when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, which is something different than just believing in the Holy Spirit, then there's something that happens in us, right? That's part of the sanctifying work of God. Now, let's break this down. Paul said this in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. He said, look carefully then how you walk. So pay attention to how you're living. That's what he's saying. Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. How do we know the will of the Lord? Through his word, right? We just read some of his word. And he says to Chicago, do not get drunk with wine. 
Come on, Chicago. <laughs> do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But do what instead? Be filled. Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. He says, don't do what everybody else is doing. Don't get caught up in debauchery. Don't just be caught in the flow of the rest of the world. Here's the point of life in the spirit that you might be filled and have the life that is truly life. Life and life abundant is how Jesus described it. But how you come into not just dead religion, but life and life abundant is being in an ongoing manner filled with the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, how do we know that this is not just a one-time event? We know it by, by grammar. And the point of the scriptural examples is not only to marvel at what has happened, but to hunger and thirst for that which we need. To hunger and thirst for that which we need. I'm only using biblical terminology when Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Because if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, then you're going to be what? Filled. God's not going to hold it back from you. Jesus is, uh, again, through the Holy Spirit, inspiring Paul to write another exhortation saying, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. But this is the context in which he writes. One commentator put it this way. The Amplified Version does a decent job with the imperative, present, passive verb for filled. Anybody remember their English classes? <laughs> okay. The tenses, right? <laughs> okay. This word fulfilled is imperative, present, and passive. Which means, number one, being imperative, God commands us to be filled. That's, what's an imperative. That's what an imperative is, right? It's a command. It's not a suggestion. He's not asking. He's not advising. He's commanding. Be filled. That's what an imperative is. Secondly, being passive tense, it is to be, I'm sorry, pass, a present tense, but rather, it is to be repeated. It's an ongoing responsibility. And then number three, being passive, we are to yield to the influence of the Holy Spirit. You see how that works? Imperative, present, passive. So what does that mean? We have a, it means at least this, of the sanctifying work of God as a, in a believer's life is the result of continual feeding on God's word, doing what it says, and having prayerful, worshipful fellowship with God that we might be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. We have a lot of uh, Moody students. Come on, give it up for Moody. Even... Even today, one of our own, Garrett, I'll just give you a preview, is going to lead us in communion. Give it up for Garrett. Yes. But this is what D.L. Moody said. D.L. Moody was once asked why he urged Christians to be filled constantly with the Holy Spirit. Well, he said, I need a continual infilling because I leak. 
<laughs> I like DL. Anybody like DL? Right, got a big church on the corner. Okay, so here's the thing, <laughs> named after him. He says, I need a continual infilling because I leak. He pointed it to a water tank which had sprung a leak, and he says, I'm like that. Anybody ever feel that way in your everyday life? I might be supercharged for God in one moment, but the next I could barely get out of bed and declare that I'm saved. Come on now, anybody at all. Don't leave me alone up here. It's sort of like sometimes I look at my wife and I, listen, this morning, look, forget that like sometimes, let me get real. This morning, <laughs> I was next to my wife. She was getting ready, making herself all pretty, yummy for church and everything. I came into the bathroom. She said, can I help you? <laughs> and I just leaned my head against her. I said, babe. <laughs> she said, it's Okay. <laughs> You know what I needed? I needed to get to church so I could be filled before I got up here to preach to you. I needed to have some time with the Lord where though I was leaking, God could fill me once again with his spirit and empower me to preach this word with boldness, with authority, and with his love. And if you are a Christian, God in that word says over and over again, imperatively, presently, and passively, be filled. Not with Drunkenness and not with just wine that'll make you loopy. Wine is a mocker and beer is a brawler and those who led their stray by it are not wise. That was one of my first scriptures I memorized. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it had helped me. Okay, but the point is, there was a new filling, right? There was a new filling and that filling changed my life. And if you've been in de dead religion up to this point, the exhortation to you is be filled. To be clear, it comes on the other side of repentance and faith. There's no being, there's a new age here, just dealing with a spirit. See, there's a Holy Spirit and they're demonic spirits. And a lot of people in their new ageism are crying out to demonic spirits to empower them. And they're empowering them unto death. But God says through repentance and faith, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will empower you into the abundant life that he has for you. But it's not just head knowledge, it's an experience. Just as you have a heavenly father who talks, lives, and moves today, he wants to fill you with his spirit to live the life that he's calling you to. In Jesus' name. Purity. He'll burn out that chaff. He will burn out that chaff. You've been struggling with sin? You need to be filled. He will burn out the chaff. I only say that because of what John said. I'll, I'll throw this out there. He said, John, uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. I'll, again, I had um, trouble with my uh, technology. I'm technologically illiterate at times. I had trouble uploading my notes this week. I apologize. Pastor Cole is actually, will be back soon. He is, <laughs> yes, he is doing well. He is doing well, and his baby girl, Evelise, they're doing great. So they can't wait to enter. Yeah, come on, give it up. They can hear you. Can't wait to introduce you to the uh, um, new baby girl. But in the meantime, go to the website. All right, so Matthew 3. Verse 11, he, John said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. You hear that terminology about Jesus? Mightier. That's the God you serve, a mighty God. What a mighty God we serve. Come on, old school, yeah. What a mighty God we serve. All right, now. All right so here we go. 
Angels bow before him, heaven and earth adore him. All right. So, who's mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. And he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. I love it. Anybody have your relationship with God marked by fire? (laughs) That's the terminology God uses. Anybody feel cold, stale, and dry? Let me tell you what he wants to give you. Jesus wants to give you fire, fire for him, passion for him, zeal for him through the person of the Holy Spirit, which leads to proclamation. Being filled with the Holy Spirit enables us to love and motivates us continually, motivates us to continually proclaim Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the person who motivates us to continually proclaim Jesus. If you've ever worked out before, let me tell you, you know it is good to have a workout buddy. Anybody say amen to that? Right? It's sort of like, because sometimes you don't feel like going to the gym. Anybody say amen to that? It's sort of like, listen, it's like, well, (laughs) I'm good. And then you have somebody who says, no, you're not. (laughs) And they encourage you to do what needs to be done, right? Well, the Holy Spirit is the same in that way. Being filled with the Holy Spirit enables us. Acts chapter 4, we see the Apostle Peter, even in the face of persecution. If if you remember the story of Peter, you remember that prior to Jesus' death on the cross, according to Jesus' own predictions, he said, listen, Peter, I know you're cutting dude's ears off and you're full of zeal. But before the rooster crows, you're going to deny three times that you know me. Peter's like, Jesus, Jesus, you you don't know what you're talking about. And at Jesus' trial, what do we remember happened? (laughs) Peter did exactly what Jesus said he would do, right? Denied him three times that he knew him. But then something different happened, right? Because when you get to the book of Acts after Jesus' resurrection, Peter actually did what Jesus said to do. He didn't leave Jerusalem, but he waited in the city until he was filled with power from on high. And that man on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, was changed into a different person. If you've not read it, go back and read it. He was changed into a different person. And though before the persecutors of Jesus, he was cowering in fear, on the day of Pentecost, he was changed. And he had the things that we're talking about, boldness, power of the Holy Spirit, and a deep-seated love to proclaim Jesus to a crowd of thousands. And he said to thousands, he said, listen, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus who you crucified. Remember, Peter was the one saying, I don't even know him. And then all of a sudden, he's like in front of thousands saying, hey, listen, you. No, yeah, you too. You over there, you crucified him. And when the people heard it, they were cut to the heart and said, what should we do? And he said, listen, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And when you do, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Isn't that good news? So that means you are not counted out. You aren't left out. The promise is for who? 
Say me. Oh, hold on now. Say me. The promise is for you, your children, and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Peter was changed into a different person, but that wasn't the only time he was living in that power. We get to Acts chapter 4, and in Acts chapter 4, there's some resistance. Anybody ever felt some resistance in trying to stand for Jesus? And even, we'll say it like this, share Jesus with people. Anybody ever felt resistance? Okay, here we go. Peter felt that and it said in Acts chapter 4. Then Peter, responding to some of the resistance that he experienced, is after Acts chapter 2. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. So some time had passed in between Pentecost and this day. But Peter's mission didn't change. If you read the book of Acts, you see that in Acts chapter 2, they had a significant moment, but then you get to Acts chapter 4, and then things are still happening. The gospel is still going on, right? And in this moment, when he's facing some resistance, he's saying, I need some help. I need some help. So Pentecost was great. Pentecost was great, but today's a new day. Anybody say that to me? I mean, sort of like, listen, I remember my day of salvation, how, how fiery I was. But today is a new day. And I need some help today to proclaim him. And so Peter, needing that help, it said that according to the scripture, he got filled. You see that terminology there? Is that, are we reading the same thing? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done by, to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed. So that was good news, right? So part of what followed Peter's ministry was not just the proclamation of the word, but people actually got healed. Power. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Woo! Oh my goodness. The mark of their life, this being filled, was evidence that they had been with Jesus. And it didn't matter their pedigree. It didn't matter their past. It did not matter what they had come out of. The mark of their life. And I would submit to you, the mark of all of our lives needs to be that we've been with Jesus. And when we are with the resurrected king, let me tell you, his promise will be ours that will be filled. And filled to do what? Proclaim. Proclaim this good news that Jesus died was crucified and was raised from the dead for the forgiveness of sins, as he told us to preach about. I'm going to give you some last thoughts, and then we'll continue this discussion later. Okay? Just trying to set us up. Everybody all right? All right, here we go. 
Many people do not want to be a witness for Christ because they believe it is not their right to tell someone else what to believe or think. Anybody ever felt that way before? Oh, don't raise your hand now, okay? <laughs> All right. All right. But let me tell you what Rick Warren says. Anybody know Rick Warren, Purpose Driven Life, Saddleback Church? Great church. Okay. He says the problem is that tolerant, <clears throat> that the word tolerant has changed its meaning. It used to mean I may disagree with you completely, but I will treat you with respect. Today, tolerant means you must approve of everything I do. There's a difference between tolerant and approval. Jesus accepted everyone, no matter who they were. He doesn't approve of everything I do, or you do, or anybody else does either. You can be accepting without being approving. And you need the Holy Spirit to fill you to be able to stand in that. Amen? Let's continue on. Okay, that is why Jesus said to be a witness of what you've seen of him, heard of him, and come to know in him. My words. It is the Holy Spirit's job as we pray and proclaim Jesus to draw people to himself and give them revelation of the truth. There is no way around it, though. People come to saving relationship with Jesus as we share the good news of his life, identity, miracles, death, burial, and resurrection. There is no way that people come to saving faith without a proclamation. That's why he gave the Holy Spirit. And bold love, not obnoxious behavior. Preaching to myself. Bold love, not obnoxious behavior, is what is necessary to be a witness of Christ's resurrection in a world that stands opposed to his message in life. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. They need to be filled. Not once, not twice, but ongoing in a continual manner. We're going to talk about how in subsequent weeks. Last little thought from Rick Warren, and then we're done. Our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. The second is that to love someone means that you agree with everything they believe or do. Both are nonsense. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. And when God fills us with the Holy Spirit, he fills us with the love to be both compassionate and truthful with power, proclaiming as witnesses that Christ is alive. Christ is alive and can change our lives. Amen? All right. We're going to stop there. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word to us today. And I thank you that you've given it to us, that we might know you, walk with you, and hunger for you. God, at the end of the day, that is my prayer that every one of us in here, regardless of where we started, we would hunger and thirst for righteousness, that we might be filled. God, that we have the example of Scripture of how the apostles and the early believers interacted with you. God, I pray that we would do nothing less, that we cry out to be filled daily to overflowing, that we might live in the abundant life of God, and that at the end of the day, we might be bold, loving witnesses of what we've seen of you, what we've come to know, that Jesus is truly alive, died for our sins, and can forgive us as we come to him. So God, we pray that there would be a fresh feeling today as we cry out to you. In Jesus' name, amen.